The scripture reading this evening is Joshua 2, 1 through 7. Joshua 2, 1 through 7. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. The last several Sunday nights, we've been talking about Bible accounts, Bible stories, especially Old Testament ones that are not just for kids. And what we mean by that, these are, these are lessons that we would teach in the first grade, second grade, third grade. And yet it may have been quite a while since most of us heard a sermon about these particular events. And so, because we all need to be acquainted with the Old Testament, there is so much that we can learn and know about God from studying this part of scripture. We've been taking selective accounts throughout both Genesis and Exodus and tonight in the book of Joshua and talking about what God would have us to know. Not just for kids, these are lessons for us to take to heart. Open your Bible if you haven't already done so to Joshua chapter two. Joshua chapter two, we're going to be in this passage tonight as we talk about Rahab and the spies. And here's the takeaway, here's the lesson. Oftentimes people say, I couldn't become a Christian. I couldn't ever be a New Testament Christian because of my past. Because the way I've lived my life, if, if you knew some of the things that I've done, there's just no way God could ever forgive me. I've heard that sentiment a number of times over the years. I've heard people say that and tell me, there's no way I could ever be a Christian. I, if you knew, preacher, some of the things that have taken place in my life, if you knew about my past, there's no way that God would ever want to forgive me. Rahab proves you wrong. Rahab is a Gentile woman living in the city of Jericho. Jericho is about to be destroyed because the Israelites have been given the land and they've just crossed over the Jordan River and they're coming to, or they're about to cross over the Jordan River, but they're coming into the land of, of Israel and they're going to conquer the land. That's what the book of Joshua is all about. Conquest of the land. And Joshua 2 is, it's a lot like the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth and Joshua chapter two are like flowers blooming in the desert. They're like ornaments in the Bible. There's really no reason in terms of just telling the chronological story of the conquest of Israel. Of, of Israel. There's no chronological reason why Joshua two has to be here. But it's in the Bible because like a flower blooming in the desert, it's a beautiful ornament and testament to the grace and the goodness of God. 
If you're looking at Joshua chapter two, I just want you to notice how Rahab is introduced to us. In Joshua two verse one, she is called a prostitute whose name is Rahab. And did you know that the Bible mentions her profession no less than five times in different books of the Bible? As a matter of fact, when you get over to Joshua 6, verse 17, Joshua 6, verse 25, in both of those occasions, in Joshua 6, when she's rescued, she and her household, it mentions Rahab the prostitute. And if that weren't enough, the Bible tells us over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, she's one of the two women in Faith's Hall of Fame, Rahab is. And in Hebrews 11, verse 31, it says, was not Rahab the prostitute? It calls her again by her profession. And over in James chapter two, verse 25, again, she was saved by faith when she hid the spies and sent them out by another way. James two, verse 25 tells us. Five times she's called a prostitute. It's almost as if the Bible really wants us to know this lady was living an immoral, ungodly lifestyle. But she found grace and she found salvation because she trusted in God. Don't ever say, God couldn't forgive me. Rahab proves you wrong. As you're looking at Joshua chapter two, I want us to do three things tonight. I want us first of all to focus on what the passage focuses on. As you look at Joshua chapter two as a passage, there are 24 verses in this chapter and the way it is arranged is important. When you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is what we call historical narrative, a lot of it, a lot of the, the, the way it's written. And books like Joshua are historical narrative and they're telling us things about God and about his goodness and about his will. And the way the story is told is important. Watch this. In Joshua 2 verse 1, there are a couple of spies that are given a commission by Joshua. He says, go into Jericho, check it out, see what's happening in the city and bring back a report to us. Not unlike what happened back in Numbers 13 when 12 spies, one of whom was Joshua, went into the land to see what it was like. And so these two spies go into the city and as was just read a moment ago, they arrive in the city, they start to see things that are taking place in the city and they need to hide because everybody knows Israel is their enemy. And they go into the home of Rahab, the prostitute. And Rahab hides these men. And when the king of Jericho and the soldiers come and they wanna know where these men are, Rahab says, oh, they think they went that way. I saw them heading that direction. And so the king and his men, the soldiers that are pursuing the spies, they take off out the city. And it says in verse seven, they close the gates to the city. Then look at verses eight through 14. Rahab talks to these men and she talks about what she believes. More about that in just a moment. But Rahab confesses her faith. I know that the God that you serve is the true God. And I want you to help me when your people come into the city to destroy it. And then as you continue in the passage, verse 15 picks up with the escape of the spies. And then finally, in verses 22 through 24, the spies return to Joshua and they give a report. This is what happened. The people's hearts in the city, they melt like wax. They're, they're scared of us. They're, they're not thinking that they're, they've got a fighting chance if we go to war. That's the way the passage is structured. And I want you to notice in verse seven, there's something like a cliffhanger. 
That is, the men go out searching for the spies. They close the city gates. What's going to happen to the spies? And the Bible pauses from verse 8 to verse 14 to tell us about what Rahab thinks about God. What the Bible's doing is telling us the point of this chapter, the emphasis of this chapter is the idea that Rahab has faith in God. And what she says about God is critically important. Look with me if you would for just a moment. She talks about the power or the might of God. Look at verse 10. Joshua 2 verse 10, she says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt. By the way, method to my madness as a preacher, why did I pick this account, this story, the week after we talked about the Red Sea? Because Rahab says, 40 years ago, we know what you people did. We know what your God did. He's a powerful God. And we know, we've heard what you did to the two kings later on of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. She talks about the might and the power of Israel's God. But she doesn't stop there. Look at verse 11. She talks about the majesty of Israel's God. Listen to this. She's a Gentile pagan woman, a prostitute at that. And it says in verse 11, as soon as we heard it, Rahab says, our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you, Israelites, for the Lord your God. And she uses the divine name, Yahweh. Yahweh your God, she says. He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. There's no idol that can do what your God can do. There's no other God that I've ever heard of that can do the things that I know your God can do. He is majestic. He is powerful. He is great. And then verses 12 and 13, Rahab appeals to the mercy of God. If you're taking notes, the might of God, the majesty of God, verse 11, the mercy of God, verses 12 and 13. Listen to what she does in verse 12. Now then, she says, please swear to me by Yahweh, by your God, that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign, verse 13, that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. What Rahab says about God is the highlight of the chapter. That's the point. And when you're doing Bible study, it's important to look at how stories are told, how accounts are pre presented to us. The stuff about the spies being hidden and then escaping, she lets them down by a rope in verses 15 through 21 after they make a deal. She's going to hang a scarlet cord out of her window. And when Israel comes in to destroy the city, they're going to look for that window with the scarlet cord. And whichever window has that cord in it, they're going to leave the people in that house alive. That's the deal they make. And the Bible says... As you look at this passage, what's really important is Rahab's confession. That's what you and I ought to highlight. This is what this pagan Gentile prostitute said about God. And it's amazing. She just heard about what Israel had done in the wilderness. She believed and she wanted that God to save her. And you know what? He did. Let me show you briefly what the passage does not focus upon. The passage does not focus upon the ethics of Rahab's lie. Just about any time you hear about Rahab these days in a sermon, more often than not, it's somebody talking about situation ethics. Was it okay? Was it right for Rahab to lie? Did you know that the Bible says that lying is a sin? 
It always is. It is not talking about the ethics of whether Rahab did right or wrong. She is a pagan Gentile prostitute. What does she know about ethics? What does she know about morality? She just knows that Israel has a great God and she's willing to help, by the way, at great risk to herself, she's willing to help the messengers of Israel because she believes that that's the God that can save her. It's not focusing on the ethics of what she did. We need to remember in our Bible study, and if you're taking notes, write this down. The Bible does not necessarily recommend everything it reports to us, especially in Old Testament narratives. The accounts of the stories that the Bible gives us, it does not always say, go and do likewise. You ought to do this in your life. You ought to find situations where it's good for you to tell a lie and make sure good comes from it. That's not what it's telling us. It's just reporting what Rahab did. The Bible doesn't require everything it records. The Bible does not endorse everything it explains. And good Bible students need to pay attention to this. In the New Testament, when the Bible commends Rahab, Hebrews 11:31, James 2:25, in both cases it commends her for hiding the spies. It does not commend her, never explicitly, for telling a lie. But that's not even the focus of the passage. The focus of the passage is the faith of this woman and the message that you and I are supposed to get from this. God is a God of grace. He loves Israel. Israel is his people. But even in a pagan place like Canaan, where people worship idols and do all kinds of ungodly things, even there, somebody like Rahab can find salvation too. Even in the Old Testament. And that's good news. Because wherever you've been in your life and wherever I've been in my life, God can reach us if we will just reach out to him in faith, looking for his mercy like Rahab did. Second, notice the faith of Rahab. We've talked about what she confessed and what she said, and I just want you to think for a moment with me about the kind of faith that she displays. In the first place, her faith is based on testimony. We have heard, both in verse 9, verse 10, and in verse 11, we have heard. These are things that have come to our ears. Rahab had not seen it with her own eyes when Israel crossed through the Red Sea. But Rahab believed that it had been done because she'd heard from reliable witnesses that that God of Israel had saved his people and he'd kept them alive in the wilderness for four decades. She believed it. It was based on testimony. Our faith is not a leap in the dark. We're not just saying, well, I'm just going to step out and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to take it on faith. We read the promises of God. We read the historical commands and and, and promises and, and the facts that he's recorded for us. And we step out based on what we hear, what we see, what we've read in his word. That's what faith does. Secondly, her faith was full of conviction. She says in verse nine, I know. She doesn't say, I guess, or I hope, or maybe, or if you can. She says, I know. I know your God is the true God. Her faith is willing to obey. Those spies tell her the the arrangement they make. She says, I want to save both myself and my family. The spies say, hang the scarlet cord out the window. You know what the Bible tells us Rahab does? She hangs the scarlet cord out her window. When Israel comes into the city of Jericho to destroy it, they're looking for that scarlet cord, that, that rope that's, that's red. They're looking for that. Her faith was willing to obey. It's not just that she believed in God, but she did something. She did what those messengers, those spies required of her. 
so that they would know who they needed to save. Rahab's faith is connected to the scarlet cord. There is symbolism in the scarlet cord. I believe it's intentional. It reminds us of what happened in Exodus 12, verses 1 through 13, when the Israelites killed the Passover lamb and they spread its blood upon their doorposts. And when the angels saw the blood on the doorposts, God passed over those houses. That's where the word Passover comes from. And that red blood that hid those Israelites from the wrath, the judgment of God is the same red scarlet color that is hung out the window of Rahab's house so that everybody in that house can be saved. There's symbolism there. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood of the new covenant as he passed the fruit of the vine to his disciples. My blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Ephesians 1, verse 7, we are redeemed, we are saved, we are forgiven by his blood. We're saved by the scarlet cord just as Rahab and just as those Israelites were. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, verse 7. Finally, her faith was unselfish. Rahab had a family. She had people that she cared about. And when she knew that Israel was coming and she knew that there was a way that she could find salvation, she didn't just want to be saved by herself. She wanted her family to know. And I tell you again, when you put, her, put yourself in her shoes, this was an extraordinarily risky thing for her to do. She is a traitor to her own people so that she can be allied with God's people. She betrays everything and everyone around her because she believes in the God of Israel. That's commendable, that's faith. She's willing to do what God asks her to do. Third tonight, let's talk about the faithfulness of God. You're looking at Joshua chapter two. I want you to notice God is faithful to his people, to Israel. One of the key phrases in Joshua chapter two is the phrase, the land. That's what the book of Joshua is about. God had promised Abraham centuries before that he was gonna give Abraham a land. And in Joshua two, verse one, verse nine, verse 14, verse 24 and verse 28, you have all these references to the land. The men are coming to spy out the land, to see what the land is like, what the people of the land are like. And look at verse 24 of Joshua two. When they come back to him, they say, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. That's the spies report. God did not have to do this. God had told Israel that he was going to give them the land and that should have been enough. But they sent spies to check out the land to see what it was like and God in his grace and in his mercy confirmed for them, yeah, this land really is a good land and the people really are scared of you and this really is our time for us to go and to conquer the land that God wants us to have. He's faithful to his promises and he's faithful to his people. He's still faithful today. But not only is God faithful to Israel, the Bible tells us that God is faithful to Rahab. And this really ought to blow our minds when we stop and think about what God says and does with Rahab. 
Here is a prostitute, a Gentile, a woman, a pagan living in Jericho, and yet she is somebody that we all know about, frequently mentioned in Scripture. She's given a heritage by God because of her faith and because of the grace of God. Joshua 6, 25, when they finally march around Jericho, you remember the seven times around and they blew their trumpets and the walls fell down flat and the people went into the city. The Bible says in verse 25 of Joshua 6, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. God did what he promised by means of Joshua and his people. And it says that she, Rahab, continued to live in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Well, God did what the messengers promised to do for Rahab. But not only that, in Matthew 1, it's a genealogy of Jesus. It's his family tree. And in Matthew 1, it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz became the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. Rahab finds herself in the bloodline of royalty. God blessed her with a heritage. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, by faith Rahab the prostitute, it says, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Here's a lady, despite all of her past, all of her background, all of the ugliness that was going on in her life, here's a lady who is held up to us as a model of what faith looks like. And again, in James chapter 2 and verse 25, the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. She's held up to us as an example as a model. Go and do likewise. Be faithful to God regardless of what it costs, regardless of the risks. You serve God. Be faithful to Him and let God take care of everything else. You don't have to worry about your legacy and what your name is going to mean later on. You don't have to worry about any of those things. You just worry about the relationship that you have with God. Worry about living by faith. God will take care of everything else. Rahab hid those spies. God blessed her for it. When you decide that you're going to hide your life in Christ, when you decide that you are going to come to him and obey the gospel, God will bless you in the very same way. The scripture says that when we come and are baptized, that that's the point at which we come into contact with the saving blood of Jesus Christ, having believed in him, having confessed his name and repented of our sins. And maybe you're here tonight and you've been thinking about doing that. You're ready to do that. There's no better time than right now tonight to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe you need to respond and ask for prayers. Whatever your need is this evening, won't you make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing?